Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. Let's continue in our series entitled Emotions. How about we deal with shame today? Let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's word has for us with our lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. So we are week three in our emotion sermon series. Last week, we focused on anger. Yeah, how many angry folks out here? <laughs> no one admits it. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Um, and we talked about last week how anger can be a monster that leads us to destruction. Um, Proverbs 14 and 29 um, says, people with understanding control their anger, but a hot temper shows great foolishness. And so we understand that wise people control their anger, and the wise also use their emotions as gauges, not guides. And so as we take this uh, journey through our emotion series, um, the reoccurring verse that we're focusing on to help, because when we talk about emotions, it can be very overwhelming. And so we, we, our verse to help us balance confronting emotions is John chapter 10, verse 10. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So I want you to uh, repeat the second verse, the second part of that verse with me. Jesus has come so that we may have life and have it in abundance. Now, this is important because the overwhelming need for Jesus can be seen when we realize how much destructive we can be when we are left alone. And so we begin to declare what Paul declares in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, for I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh, for the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. Simply put, Jesus is our remedy. Okay, I must be in a, a different type of church because that should have solicited some response. So let me just say it again. Um, <clears throat> simply put, the remedy remains in Jesus. Yeah. Our human nature needs dis the disruptive manifest power of the Holy Spirit. It's only in him that we are free. And this is the hope and the framework of these entire messages. So there was five, there's six points that undergirds this entire um, message and these, these series of messages. So I'm going to repeat them. Number one, God created us to live in relationship with him, ourselves, and with others. Number two, we can fully know ourselves. We can fully know others, and we can fully experience life. Number three, the people around us should never be the collateral damage while we're healing. Yes. Number four, everyone on earth that has experienced hurt and pain has to be led out of it. Yeah. You can't lead yourself out of it. Uh, number five, God wants our pretty and our ugly. He wants it all. Number six, God desires his children to love each other like we've never been hurt. 
That's the one that just keeps messing up my Nikes. Um, relationships reveal so much about ourselves. And that's why we keep people at a distance because it's easier to uh, not get in relationship with other people because the closer we get to people, the closer we see their humanity. They tell a bunch of lies. But when we keep them at a distance, we don't really have that. And so oftentimes we keep people at a distance. But if we look at scriptures, we need each other. Yeah. So we talked about the Jahari window. Remember that? The Jahari window, it's known to self, known to others. That's public knowledge. And then there are things that are known to others but are not known to self. We call those blind spots. That in relationship, as we continue walking with people, uh, we can see things in them that they can't see in themselves. Uh, Then there's uh, not known to others, but you know it. Um, That's where we wear a mask. It's the, you know, when you meet someone, three people show up. It's who you want them to see. Uh, It's who they see and who you really are. And I've learned in time that when those three people become one, that's maturity. And so the fourth is, it's not known to others and it's not known to self. We don't know yet. We don't know what you're going to say when you, before you stump that toe. We don't know yet. And so relationships can reveal those things that are hidden. And so much is revealed about our relationships. Every relationship we have indicates something about us. And the challenge with relationships, relationships harm us. And they can be instruments to heal us. We are not healed in isolation. It takes relationships. And so today we look at shame out of the shadows. So if you don't mind resting on your feet, I want to read uh, today's scripture verse. uh, Yeah, today's scripture is Genesis chapter three, verse one through 11. If you have attended church, you know the story I'm about to read. Uh, Now, the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat, um, your, when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew they were naked. So they sewed uh, fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. 
Then he asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Who told you you were naked? And this will, you may be seated. So this is what we're going to be dissecting, if you will, um, for the next few moments. So here's the thing when we're dealing with shame. Shame begins with entertaining and believing a lie. So the, the, the cunning serpent, um, the entertaining and then believing a lie. A lie is introduced and we have a choice to make whether we believe the lie or we reject it. No matter how many times I preach, you preach to yourself more than anyone in your life. Lies are all around us, but many of us picked up the lies about ourselves from the people closest to us. The lie shapes how we see ourselves and ultimately how we see others and the world around us. A lie is a seed planted in your thoughts, and what you do with it determines how far that lie spreads. Uh, so many of those seeds are planted when the soil of our hearts were the most fertile and the most vulnerable, and that's when we were younger, that's when we were children. A lie can be a barrier between us and God. Believing a lie not only disrupts our relationship with God, but our relationship with each other. A person with poor boundaries bleeds. And so a lie will make us believe that we are the most important needed person in the relationship. And so now we become codependent upon the approval of people and we constantly live in this cycle of shame. In other words, this family won't make it without me. This thing won't make it without me. And it sounds honorable, but I submit to you that's rooted in shame. And, and so the lie is rooted in or the, 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 uh, uh, the challenge is who God is and who God says we are. So they bit into the fruit and then they realized they were naked. So shame is an emotional response to how we think. Uh, psychologists call it the internal working model. It happens early. Uh, so that's why we must protect our children because they are the most vulnerable. The internal working model is how a child interacts and builds relationships with others as they grow. If I grew up in a safe environment with loving parents, I believe that the world is safe. If I grew up in a hard environment and, I, and, and with parents full of struggle, I believe that the world is hard. It's rooted in uh, the parent-child relationship. The eternal working model is the quality of the parent-child relationship in early life, and it can affect how people see themselves and how they see the world. When Tanya and I counsel married couples or do premarital counseling, we always start and ask about their childhood. We are, in essence, asking the question, what lies do you believe about yourself that you are carrying in the relationship? And so for a moment, what lies are you believing about yourself? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the lies that you believe about yourself because negative experience 
negative experiences develop your conviction. But positive experiences deepen your confidence. So when you have a positive experience in playing basketball, you become confident that you are skilled in basketball. When we are hurt or experience pain, that leads to a conviction. And so when you listen to the language of people that's closest to you, they will reveal to you their convictions. Only thing we got to do is pay attention. So impaired living, that's not living fully, completely uh, surrendered to God, but impaired living makes our truth centered around painful experiences. So we say things like, you can't trust anyone. People equal pain. We say things like, all men are and all women are. And so that is centered around negative experiences. How we see ourselves determines how we see others. But because of the lies we are told, it must begin with how we see God. But how we see God is expressed at least early on based on our parents. So this thinking starts early. And when a person grows up and is able to connect this thought with this feeling, this feeling and this memory, things become solidified. And now they have an internal working model. They have a mental picture of expectation. And so everything that they do begins with a mindset. And that mindset is, I think. Verse number seven, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they, re- they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. But at the end of chapter 2 in Genesis, they were naked and, and unashamed. Now, all of a sudden, their eyes are open, and now they are ashamed of their nakedness. They are ashamed of their vulnerability. Sin enters, and the first instinct of Adam and Eve is to clothe themselves with something they create. I'm, I'm going to get there in a minute. It's all going to make sense. So Adam and Eve says, let's not be seen by each other because this vulnerability or the lack of vulnerability creates a barrier between them. See, nakedness is a sign of vulnerability. They cover themselves. Sin enters and they hide themselves from each other. And that relationship shifts. Now the picture is created or projected. Now it's how I want others to see me. And if they see me as I am, it brings shame and therefore I need to cover up. Mm. The origins of shame could be from a past sin that haunts us or a sin committed against us. But shame isn't like guilt. Guilt is I did something wrong. That's behavior. Shame is I am wrong. That's an external versus internal. I'm going somewhere, just keep with me. When we cannot meet others' expectations, we can have feelings of shame. So guilt is something, I did something wrong. I understand the consequence. My behavior did X, Y, Z. But shame is, I am wrong. I am useless. I can't. And so remember, from an impaired living, shame rejects vulnerability. 
But in the hands of God, shame can reveal my own limitations and brokenness and the need for God. But Adam and Eve are exposed and therefore no longer want to be seen. They want something between themselves. And a person who lives an impaired life longs to connect, but only on their terms. And that person places barriers meant to protect themselves and keep others out. Remember, impaired living is when we numb the voices of our hearts and not live a life of God's truth. To live, we find ourselves defending our hearts against further pain. We fail to be healthy relationally and emotionally, and then we seek counterfeits. And so I want love, but if I share my need, that makes me vulnerable. And what happens if I'm rejected? I can't handle it. So I walk around pretending I don't need love. Yeah, we're about to get free, though. Because every relationship needs boundaries, and boundaries are mutually beneficial. It benefits both persons. But shame places barriers between people. Shame sees vulnerability as a weakness and therefore keeps people at a distance. Shame makes weaknesses something negative and make mistakes final. I mean, you look at Adam and Eve and their relationship with God, and this is what we have. Shame rather be covered and concealed than convicted and changed. That's what shame does. Shame is so deadly that I believe that most people in relationship with God suffer from it, and it's expressed through our relationship with each other. It's more important in every area of my life that I am in right relationship with him than the opinions of people. But shame will cause you and I to seek the approval of people that can't put us in heaven or hell. And that's why shame must be broken from God's people because we're not living life fully because we are swimming in shame. But I declare by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to break shame from this church and from God's people. I'm willing to fight for your freedom. But are you willing to fight for it? Because shame can be a form of pride and is equally as dangerous. Whereas pride looks to others, applaud me, look what I've done. Shame looks away. Shame seeks identity in something outside of God. Here you are, Adam and Eve, in relationship with God. He is your father. He is your dad. He loves you. You mess up and you run away from the person that loves you. It's played out in so many of our lives. The worst thing that can happen to a pastor is when he counsels someone to freedom and then the shame still remains. And every time they see that pastor, every time they see that counselor, every time they see that friend, they are reminded of what they disclosed. And they fall away from the relationship because I was seen. And I don't want to be seen. And so oftentimes people would jump from church to church because that church don't know you. And I can project what I want you to see. 
Those folks over here got close to me and they, they picked our marriage up and they walked with us and they saw how dirty I was and I can't deal with it because the residue of the stain remains. Oh, I'm about to get free if you don't. Like the thief that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. Baby girl, I understand it's overwhelming because I'm, the Holy Spirit is asking you to confront and to look at those things that were hidden. But Jesus has come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. And that's why I'm passionate. That's why I want you free because freedom looks good on you. And now I feel, ooh, I thank you, Jesus. So, so here's the thing. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Every relationship that we don't deal with, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I got daddy issues. You got daddy issues. But that does not mean I don't honor dads. That stench is there. That shame is there. And God is coming and saying, I have come that you may have life. And you have it more abundantly. You cannot pray this thing away. You got to walk in this thing. It is time for God's people to come out of the shadows. And I'm going to, man, if you stay around here, we're going to be some free people. And then this man and his wife heard the sound. Listen to scripture. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. At the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden as if God couldn't see them. Why are, you constant, why are we constantly hiding from God and he's a loving father? It's something with this. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And then he asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Shame causes us to hide in the wrong places. We seek shadows and not the light. Shame is the marriage between failure and pride. And that's why we hide. Shame is the marriage between failure. I made a mistake and pride that says don't get it corrected. Shame is that marriage, and, 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 and there are things that we all experience. Many of us have been abused. Many of us have been neglected, but it's the loving father. When you hear his voice, yes. don't hide And shame. So we hide in our homes or we hide away from them. We hide in our books or our games. We hide behind computers and phones and newspapers. And it's a little thing that used to be called magazines. So if you're under 35, you may not know what a magazine is, but it's a paper thing that's glossy, and you put it between your hands. Magazines. We, be, we hide behind social media. We hide behind education, careers, and pulpits. Yeah, I said it. We hide in busyness and procrastination. We hide in the lies. We hide. You always funny. You always got a joke. You always got a laugh, but secretly you suffer. Oh, we hide, we hide, and shame makes people want to hide and disappear, reinforcing it. And this is the cycle of shame. The cycle of shame is I think I'm unworthy. 
I believe I'm, I'm unworthy. And I behave. I do, Paul said that I do the very thing I know not that, that I should do. I, I do the very thing. Why is it? Because we're in this cycle. I don't know if I can ever be free of this. And so when the Lord comes and is pricking your heart, not to shame you, but to say, I know you can't get it right by yourself. That's why I have come, and I have come so you may have life in abundance. That's why he's here. So some of us have mastered hiding. Man, I used to be, man, I'm just, you know, if, if you're a part of this church family, you know, I just tell it like it is. I, I struggle with false humility at time in my life. And false humility is deflecting praise when you know you want it. False humility is deflecting praise when you know you want it. Oh, you did such a good job. Oh, glory be to God. <laughs> I, you, you, you want it, though. And, and then, when, then when the event happens and the likes disappear, you all like this. Oh, I got a new like. Oh, I got a new comment because you're getting your identity from it. Why don't you just admit I want to be appreciated? I put so much in this, and, and, and I put so much work and, and so much time. It cost me money. It cost me time. It cost me some relationships. I just want to be appreciated. There's nothing wrong with being who God created you to be and confessing what you need. Over time, because of your false humility, we stop appreciating you because you don't know how to receive it. And then it, it leads to bitterness. Nobody appreciates me around. You told us not to. I just do it unto the Lord, Pastor. I just I prefer to be behind the scenes. So when I walk past and I don't see you, I cannot believe he didn't see me. And this is a cycle of relationships that we have. Because pride moves us to use whatever we can hide, whatever we can to hide our shame. But today, say today. Today, God calling you. Today, God is walking by. And he's calling us from behind the trees. Isn't it interesting that they, they know that he's the creator of heaven and the earth and still think they can hide. He has always pursued you and he's pursuing you now. Newsflash, he's pursuing you despite your sin. Why do we believe that we have to have everything together? I'm going to come to church, doc, when I get myself together. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Man, I got to stop because I felt that was funny. In my, in my belly, Uncle Till, that was funny. Despite Adam and Eve's sin, God still desired to be in relationship with him. And he desires to be in relationship with you. Shame reveals an area that I need deliverance from. Shame, like many of our emotions, is an untreated wound. And an untreated wound becomes weaponized. And we pass it on our children. Nobody can get close to you. Because you know why? Because you're already sabotaging the relationship. Relationships are changing who we are. I don't trust anybody. So you've become untrustworthy. Sin. They decide to hide behind the trees. They rather seek solace behind the trees, solace in shadows, instead of the loving arms of their father. Verse number 10, and he said, I heard you. Adam heard God and still didn't come to him. Adam hears God passing by 
and decides not to seek help. Shame causes us to hide in the wrong places. But we can break this bondage of shame because what we see from, our, what we see from Adam and Eve is deliverance is always nigh, is always close. And even when we don't pursue God, he's still walking past and calling out to us. Shame. Let's break the bondage of shame. I've diagnosed the problem. Everybody believes they have it. Amen. I used to, I never understood what my grandma used to say. Tell the truth and shame the devil. It ain't make sense to me. Why would I tell the truth and shame the devil? Because we'd rather live in the shadows. And that's the devil's domain. What you will not reveal can't be healed. And the reality, and the reality of it is, we ain't, we ain't hiding as good as we think. We in relationship with each other. We see it. And we love you enough to have grace to deal with you. And so I know, like, man, listen, y'all stretch forth your hand towards my wife. Because she knows. Because she knows. And she still covers me. That's a good woman there, Doc. That's a good woman there. Let's break the bondage of shame. Point number one, our identity must be in Christ. If we want to break the bondage of shame, our identity must be wholly, completely, fully in Christ. We are shaped by our environment. We are shaped by education. And we are shaped by our experiences. In order to combat the lies spoken over us, we must see ourselves how God sees us because shame assaults our identity. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16. I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. I need for you to repeat this in your heart. I am who he says I am. And so if you can't see your way, Isaiah chapter 42 promises us that he will lead us even if we blind. Is, is the path, uh, I've I never been this way before. He says, I will lead you along unfamiliar paths. I will guide you. And, and this is too dark. This is, I live in the sh- I will turn the darkness uh, into light before them. And this has been such a hard life and make the rough places smooth. Yeah. This is the promises of God. We must know who we are in God. Shame, abuse, neglect, all those things, assault our identity and creates the seeds of lies that we live out. But he has come so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. We question his love by saying that we don't deserve it. There is a healthiness to it that, that yes, it's not by our good works. That's the balance. And yes, we, it's, it's a gift. His love is a gift, but it has to be accepted it. Accepted it. It has to be accepted. You cannot believe he loves you that much, but he does. I'm here to tell you that, 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 that God loves you with an everlasting love. And the choices that others made that you had no um, control over is not God's fault and is not yours. 
We must understand our limitations and respond according to who we are in Christ. Living this out helps us recognize our place, where we belong, and what we do or what has happened to me does not determine my value. In a loving community, shame can be destroyed. Remember the foundation. We can fully know ourselves. We can fully know others. And we can fully experience life. Point number two. Point number one was, if you're writing it down, our identity must, must be in Christ. Point number two. We are insufficient without Christ. Shame leading us is destructive, but God can take that shame and heal us. Shame helps, helps us understand our limits, our shortcomings, our humanity. And understanding our own humanity helps us understand others. Shame can actually produce empathy. See, judgmental folks struggle with shame. Tell you what. Tell you what, because when you know that you barely going to make it in, <laughs> yo, for real, like when, when and, and see, see, we have to be careful that we don't project the sins um, that we secretly struggle with on other people. And, and that's why we become dogmatic and legalistic because you need it. And now you're projecting on everybody else that they need it. Scripture talks about drinking wine. Doesn't say anything against it, but if you struggle with alcoholism, don't drink wine. The Bible clearly says don't drink wine. It says don't be drunk within access. So, but based on your struggle, your painful experiences, which become convictions for you, you throw it off on everybody. Oh, you're dealing with something, Reverend. Uh, Shame helps us understand our limits our shortcomings and our humanity. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse four through five. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God. Oh, man, man, this gives us a proper view of ourselves and others and keeps us from worshiping others and ourselves. The proper view of who Jesus is. Shame reminds us that we will always need help fulfilling our purpose and pursuing and seeking God's kingdom. Shame can help us recognize our pain and the pain of other people. Shame. First point. Identity in Christ. Second point, insufficient without Christ. Third point, we have authority in Christ. Authority is simply living how God made you. Boy, if we ever get this revelation, using the gifts and talents given to us by God in service. Second Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says that we have such hope that we can act with great boldness. He goes on to say that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. 
2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 through 12, verse 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we have renounced, listen to this, we have renounced, I think the Amplified and the uh, NLT says we have rejected, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God. When we deal with shame, we even distort the word of God because we realize that we can't live to the standard and instead of asking for help, we bring the standard to us. The word of God, but commending ourselves. Mm. Listen to this. This is good stuff. Not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by open display of the truth. We don't people don't need your pity, but they do need truth. They do need empathy. See, the difference between having a mindset of judgment is The the mindset of a heart that already understands the struggle, we go before God together. Because of the hope in Christ, we can reject the shame and allow the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ shine in our hearts. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. How can you rejoice And suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has has been given to us. If you are here today or watching and you are experiencing shame, it's time to come out the shadows. Because Jesus touches those who are, who are ashamed of their conditions. They are outcast. And they are, they are outcast and excommunicated. But many of those, when Jesus was healing them, they were dealing with things that, they, that many of those, um, they did not bring it on themselves. He heals the lepers, the lame, um, and he, lives, he healed those with physical conditions as well as those who are shunned by the religious establishment. And that's why Jesus is the remedy. In fact, Jesus has come for us all. But if you are here and you're battling shame, shame from your father, shame from the abuse, shame from past mistakes, and you feel like there's a cloud that's hovering above you, Jesus Jesus is here to set the captives free. Luke chapter 4, let me give you some word for it, because my opinion don't count. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. The light of the gospel can tear down the false comforts of those shadows. I need for you to declare with me Psalm chapter 118, and I'm about to close. This is a real close. Uh, (laughs) I figured somebody would catch that. Psalms 118 and 17. I will not die, but I will live. I need for you to get that in your 
spirit. Psalms 118, 17, the first part. Shame is not going to kill you. Sometimes the, the, the worst life to live is not a short one, but it's a life full of shame. And, and so I, I, need for you, I, need, I, 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 need, I need for you to say this and to understand this. I will not die. I just want to stay right there. I need for you to, to secure your identity for a moment. Psalms 118, 17, I will not die. And then there's a but, but denotes a change. But I will live. So I want you to repeat after me. I will not die, but I will live. And then you have and, and it connects. This gives us the why. I will not die, but I will live. And proclaim what the Lord has done. I want you to see the connection. Your life ain't just for you. There are people watching. And when I say that, the first thing that Empire Life does is I need to show people that I have it together. No, you don't. How can we experience grace if we don't wrestle with struggle? We, I started this series because what I realized was people was wrestling and struggling, yet faithfully serving. And there's a wall up, there's a barrier up. Look, pastor, I'm on post. Look, pastor, I'm serving, I'm in position. And then I suddenly realized, because they think they're getting approval for being in position, then the reason why I can see it, because I struggle with it too. I'm serving and serving and serving and can never wash the stench of shame away and became angry with God. I'm serving, I'm giving, I'm living for you. And these stuff is still not coming together. It's until I realized, Rob, I wasn't serving for him. I was serving for me. I needed the approval. I needed the attaboys. Attaboy, great job. And then, so I work harder. So I'm the first one there and the last one to leave. And spent no time with God. But in position, serving, serving, and giving, and serving. Marriage was tore up. But I was serving. Finances messed up, but I was given until you realize, he said, Antoine, I want all of you, not the parts that you think you got figured out, all of you. So this whole time, I'm in God's house, hiding, and message after message, God is walking through. Where are you? And I said, I heard your voice. And there were times in the service that God was, God was reaching out to me, and I would miraculously have to use the bathroom. 
My heart was stirring. I needed to apologize to my wife. I needed to get things in order. So instead of dealing with it, I just found an excuse. Oh, I got to make sure that the sound is together. I got to make sure. And the whole time God is walking past. And then I'm angry at him because I feel like I'm forgotten. But God is calling us to live full and to live free and not to make an excuse as to not being able to do it when he is the one doing the work. Jesus on the cross naked. Why did he have to be naked? Because he in his flesh was humiliated. His shame was on, our shame was on him. And now he gives us an invitation, Bridget, to be free. And freedom is an act of faith because I take my shame. I've always wrestled with that verse, cast all your cares upon the altar before he cares for you. I'm asking you this morning to cast your shame upon this altar because he cares for you. He loves you. He loves you. And we can't hear it. The Spirit of the Lord is passing you by. I'm not trying to get your emotional. I'm trying to get you free. Another word from Pastor Antoine was shame out of the shadows. What we don't reveal, God can't heal. So let's know that we are who God says that we are. If you are blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word give to 704-741-3705. And if you're anywhere near Charlotte or the surrounding areas, why don't you stop on by and visit us here at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Or you can join us online every Sunday at 1033 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to us and follow us on Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message and so much more right here exclusively on our Think Kingdom podcast. Thank <laughs> you.